0: I am Sue Hewitt. I also answer happily to Susan. And I am so pleased to be here sharing with you today. A little bit of background about me. Um, I was born and raised on a dairy farm, almost exactly 20 kilometers that way. And I uh, grew up in a lovely, loving church family and church home. At Bones Baptist Church. Um, and that is the building is um, on the corner of 79th Street and 48th Avenue, over towards the park. And you might know it better as I love this mountain of fire and miracles ministry. <laughs> I mean, What an awesome name. Anyway, I grew up there. I was evangelized there. I was taught by people who loved God with all that they were. Um, I grew up seeing women in the pulpit. I grew up in a church that had women on all the boards. (laughs) Um, And nothing seemed strange about that to me at all. So to see a world where that's awkward or uncomfortable for people is uh, a shock because it was perfectly normal. And that's also where I met and married Bruce and he's sitting over here. I did my theological studies at McGill University in Montreal and at Regent College, Kerry Hall in Vancouver. And I have 22, 23 years of um, professional and volunteer youth ministry experience And another 20 years um, or so of using my gifts as a volunteer in other um, ways and places within the family of God, including serving with an international development agency. I served here at home, but I did get to go a couple times out into the big world um, with Cause Canada, which is a development agency based here in Calgary. From the very early days of my faith journey, I have been fascinated by the ways that God initiates relationship with us and by all the varied ways that God draws people into relationship and deeper relationship. But that wasn't something I took really seriously. I just was fascinated by it. I didn't take it serious, more seriously until quite recently. My academic work and vocational ministry had me focusing for years on loving God with my mind. As I studied the hey Dallas. (laughs) As I studied um, theology, scripture, best practices in ministry, um, and learning how I might best use my gifts to honor God and to serve the people that were. Part of my world. And I used, I served God and loved God with my strength, with my energy, with my time in all those ministries and things that I participated in, whether professionally or or voluntarily. But somehow, loving God with all my heart and all my soul, somehow faded into the background somehow. wasn't, wasn't the focus, but God kept reaching out to me. He kept initiating, drawing me closer, drawing me nearer, inviting me deeper. And eventually, eventually, about 20 years ago now, I turned back and I found that the closeness and affection that I'd experienced with God as a child and a young person was still available. Um, and a new eagerness grew in me. And I explored different prayer practices um, and diff- read different authors and took courses when they popped up on my radar and began working with a spiritual director. And after a discernment process that took about two years, I decided to seek training as, and become a spiritual director. And then in September of 2020, I graduated from the CenterQuest School of Spiritual Direction. And since that time, I have had the privilege of being a spiritual director and listening with people for the story of how God is at work in their lives. And that is an amazing privilege and one that I am super, super thankful for. And it seems like it's just a fit And that everything else all along for the first five decades um, was preparing me for that. And so there you go. (laughs) Um, So I work with individual directees and I also work with groups. So to do group direction. So that's what I'm doing. Um, That's where I am now. So that's my introduction. And on to today's scripture passage, which is familiar because this is week four of us listening to the same passage. In Acts 2, starting at verse 17, Peter, quoting Joel, says, In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and daughters will prophesy... And your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they will prophesy. And I will show portents in heaven above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood, before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So that prophecy was fulfilled on that day in Jerusalem, 50 days after Jesus' resurrection, when the helper he'd promised to his disciples, the Holy Spirit, was poured out by lavish divine love and given generously to all flesh. All flesh. No one was or is left out. The gift of the Holy Spirit is a gift for all of us. And that's a big change from the Old Testament. In the Old Testament record, we see individuals of whom it is written, and the Spirit of the Lord was upon him or her. And these individuals were called and gifted to some specific acts of leadership among the people of Israel, or they were called to special service for God. They were prophets and judges, leaders, servant girls, orphans, kings. Some were called to one individual task, others to a lifetime of service. But now, today... Ever since that first Pentecost Sunday, God's Holy Spirit is given to all flesh, to all of us, for all of our lives. And this is a gift that's intended to be transformational and healing. God's intention is for our good, always. A couple of definitions to get us grounded Um, As we move forward here, what on earth is a vision? A vision is something seen or heard while one is awake with great clarity, but which is unrelated to our physical surroundings or who is in the room with us. And it usually, and as far as I know, always conveys some kind of a revelation, God telling something about God's self that matters right in that moment for that person, for that life, to whom it has been revealed. A spiritual dream happens when we're asleep. And in that, or in that in-between state, you know, not awake, not asleep, dreams also contain revelation but they may be less clear than the than a vision and are often filled with symbols and they sometimes need a little unpacking or discussing or help to sort out what's really going on here i love the title that was set for today's sermon that the holy dreams and visions the holy spirit thins the veil. Throughout history, people have had these experiences of visions, of dreams, of God's direct speaking to them and to their life. And it turns the world upside down for that person when it happens. And you want to market. You want to remember it. You want to, this place where this happened, this is sacred space, a liminal space. These places are marked all around the world with piles of rocks. I love that. Very Old Testament, but I love it. And I know people who build a pile of rocks. You've got piles of rocks. You've got chapels. You've got wayside shrines. You've got cathedrals. You've got summer camp, um, the circle, the fireside circle. (laughs) Um, People want to mark that this happened to them here and that this place is never just a place ever again, but this is a sacred place, a sacred space. And so these places are built, whether it's the pile of rocks or the cathedral, And others longing to have this experience, they come to those places, they're drawn to them, and nothing happens. (laughs) That's because God is not a one-size-fits-all God. God knows the exact shape of your heart and your soul and your mind. And God is not necessarily going to give you the same vision, the same dream, the same sacred space as he gives the next person. God's love for us is intensely personal. And so God's revelation to us is intensely personal. And God created in each of us I love this word as well. I love some words. Anyway, God God created in each one of us a holy longing, a deep desire to be in a loving, connected relationship with God's self. And God longs for us even more than we long for God. And God's longing for us and for relationship with us It had to be expressed somehow. Love has to be. You can't just not say it or not do it. Um, And God's love was expressed. He talked about it for us. For God so loved the world that he gave. God so loved you and me and your next door neighbor that he gave. For God so loved the world that he gave his son a human being, which other human beings could have a relationship with. The veil was thin that day, my people, the veil was thin. And it was thin every day that Jesus walked on the earth and all the people that he encountered, they never had to wonder, had they really seen God? Was that real? They could see They could walk. Their demons had been cast out. They'd been healed. The bleeding had stopped. It was real. It was real. Oh, getting back to this holy longing. Each of us has been created with a holy longing. For a way for our heart to connect with the Holy Spirit and experience the peace of God's loving presence for ourselves. And there's all different ways that we do experience it. Some of us experience deep connection with God, the thinning of the veil through corporate worship, like we just shared in today as we gather and we sing and we pray and we read the word and we share at God's table together. For yet others, the veil can be thin in private times of reading and reflecting on the scripture. Some of us are drawn into God's embrace when we spend time in nature, maybe walking through a forest or standing still with your hand on the trunk of a tree or sitting by the water as a river ripples by. Others experience God's joy in their creativity as they write poems or songs or create paintings or drawings or poetry. Others, to quote my cousin Helen, as she described her experience, some are transported into glory when hearing music that stirs their soul. I do see some little smiles and I'm thinking that some of you are remembering moments places, experiences of knowing the loving presence of the Holy Spirit. And you know that my list of liminal experiences and locations is far from complete. For you have found yourself in God's embrace in situations that I know nothing about. Just as we make time for human relationships that matter to us, Making time for friends, their family to be together, to be fully present with each other, and to open and to, you know, firm up and enhance the bond that we share. Well, so also we can be present and open to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit can open the veil of busyness and distraction and draw us into deeper communion. And these are good gifts given by our loving God for our blessing and benefit. If you have felt God's love and blessing as you walked in the woods, go walk in the woods, my friend. If you sense God's pleasure when you're making music, then pick up your guitar or sit at your piano or stand and sing God's praise. If journaling or other writing practices brings you an awareness of God speaking to you into your story, then dig out your pen in your journal or sit down at your computer and open up your writing app and write it out. Just write it out. (laughs) If you feel love lifting you as you sit in wordless prayer and silence Take some time, take some time every day to sit and breathe and open your heart and wait. In all this, we must remember that what we do in our prayer practices, what we, you know, it's not an on-off switch, that if I do this right, I will have an amazing experience of God's love. Often, God is at work silently in our hearts, and we only become aware of having grown or having been led or having been strengthened or having been healed later, sometimes much later. But when we look back, you can see God was there. God was holding me. God was cradling me in his arms like I was a baby through much of the last year. You know how people say, when you say, I was praying for you when they're going through something hard. And people say, I knew you were. Thank you. I always kind of wondered. That was awful nice of them to say. And the person who is praying for them probably appreciates hearing that it meant something to them but I know you were when I was getting the chemotherapy when I was lying sick in bed after the chemotherapy I was being held by arms of love I was being cradled like a child I was being comforted I was being helped And then people would say, I was praying for you. And in this swirl of love that I felt around me, I could remember and pick out that person's love. It was personal. It was you. It was real. It was. So, yeah. So so I don't. I'm not recommending go get cancer. It'll be amazing. God will be there. I do not recommend. Like, seriously. (laughs) But I don't know that I could have had that awareness any other way either. Because for me, that was first time. Okay. But you ask, how do I know? How do I know it was the Holy Spirit and not my own wild imagination causing this or my intense longing or my whatever? Um, How do I know that it was the Holy Spirit and not something I've generated out of myself? And Jesus answers that question in Matthew, where he says, Beware of false prophets, they come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous worlds. You will know them by their fruit. Are grapes gathered from thorns, or figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. We know that it's the Holy Spirit who's working in us. If what is happening is in line with what the Holy Spirit is known to do. So I love Jesus' words about the Holy Spirit and what she would do in do for us and be for us. And Jesus said, I'll ask the Father and he will give you another advocate, helper, teacher, counselor, comforter, to be with you forever. And the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. When the spirit of truth comes, she will guide you into all the truth and will not speak on her own, but will speak whatever she hears, and she will declare to you the things that are to come. She'll glorify me, Jesus, because she will take what is mine, and declare it to you, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes, comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the very ends of the world. If what is happening is in line with what the Holy Spirit's gonna do, it's probably the Holy Spirit. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know how to pray for ourselves as we ought, but the Spirit intercedes for us in word groans that are too deep for words. The Holy Spirit works in us for our transformation even more deeply into the image of Christ as we grow in grace. The Holy Spirit produces fruit in our lives, and you know them love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And the Holy Spirit gives gifts to individual people in order to bless and strengthen all of God's people so that God's people, all of us, can be a gift of blessing and healing for the world. And these gifts are listed for us in a variety of places in the New Testament. You know, you can go to your Romans 4, or 1 Corinthians 12, or Ephesians 4. And they list about 18 different gifts. So how do I know with what I'm experiencing is the spirit and not my own wild imagination? If any of those things are growing and deepening in your life, it's the Holy Spirit at work. If you're loving God more deeply, if you're following Christ more nearly, if you're caring for your neighbor more compassionately, if you're speaking up for justice more boldly, if you're serving more graciously, if you're enduring your trials more patiently, the Holy Spirit is guiding you and you are responding to love with love. But what about dreams and visions? What about those dreams and visions? Does the Holy Spirit still speak directly into the minds and hearts of God's people through dreams and visions? The simple answer is yes. Yes, this happens. The scripture we started with um, this morning, as Peter, this afternoon, as Peter spoke on Pentecost, promises that the Holy Spirit will do this, that we will dream dreams and see visions. I don't know who's going to dream a dream. I don't know who's going to see a vision, hear a voice speaking love directly into their heart. But the promise is there and the evidence is there that God does this. Happened in New Testament times. In the book of Acts, we learn of Saul's vision and loss of sight on the road to Damascus of Ananias' vision, which led him to Saul, which led to Saul's conversion um, of Cornelius's. I think Cornelius had a vision and then Peter had a dream and God put those two together. And then the gospel went to the Gentile world. And of course, John had a series of visions that make up a whole book <laughs> um, throughout Christian history, people have dreamt dreams and seen visions and have written about them so that other people could learn more of God's goodness for them. Last week, we heard a, saw, uh, a poem um, by Hildegard of Bingen. And Hildegard, in the 1100s, was writing theology, writing music, writing poetry, and she also wrote about her visions of God's love shining on all of creation and throughout all of history. She's just another example of many people who shared their visions and dreams with those around them. The people who have dreamt dreams of, in which God spoke to them and it changed their lives, they can testify to it happening. And there's many testimonies from other cultures like there are amazing testimonies from other cultures from places where the gospel is not preached publicly and many people have never had a chance to hear it and there is a theme to these dreams of people who dream repeatedly um, that jesus wants to know them that jesus uh, gives them the name and a time and a place where they're going to go to that place on that day at that time and meet a person by that name. And that person is a Christ follower and will tell them about Jesus so that they can follow him too. There's a lot of stories like that. And granted, they come from cultures that where uh Dreams are taken a lot more seriously than they have are maybe in our um, postmodern, scientific, empirical, empirical evidence, lots of statistics to back that up, please, culture. And our surrounding culture is not so dream and vision friendly. And so people who experience such things here are more hesitant to speak of it. They tell a trusted few, not the whole world. There are Christian traditions, different denominations and and communities where it's much more dream and vision friendly, and you do hear more about it there. Um, I'm not sure it's happening more there, or it's safer to speak up. But yeah, it does happen. God is not limited by our traditions or by our science or by our statistics. God still speaks directly to people in our culture. All the evidence is anecdotal, of course, and subjective, but is subjectivity a weakness when we're trying to put words to such an intensely personal and individual experience? In my spiritual direction practice, people have shared with me both dreams and visions. And we have explored them together to see what the Holy Spirit is doing. I can't share them with you. I take my promise to keep it confidential very seriously. But I think I can say without breaking confidence that God has used dreams or visions to free people I know from the pain of false accusation and harsh judgment. The Holy Spirit has given people The gift of courage to offer forgiveness and risk reconciliation in broken relationships. Jesus' loving presence has empowered people to say with confidence, this is who I am. And I am loved. And I will stand in solidarity with those who suffer. God has used dreams to call people into loving relationship when prior to that dream, there was no way, no way that they could possibly trust that God is good because they had seen no evidence of goodness in any of his people or in their own life. God has spoken directly to people who are in discernment processes around making really big life decisions to know that they were safely inside God's goodwill and love friend plan for them, regardless of the decision that they had to face, that they didn't have a right choice and a wrong choice, that God was going with them, whatever choice they made in their specific circumstance. In my own life, God has brought hope and healing in a time of spiritual crisis through a dream. And I've heard an audible voice confirming for me that God's love for me is unwavering, strong, dependable. How do we know if a dream or a voice or a vision is the work of the Holy Spirit? Does the experience draw us closer to God? Are we better able to trust God's goodness? Are we encouraged and strengthened to act in a way that is in line with the gospel? Is the message we've received compatible with scripture? By their fruits, you will know them. A good tree bears good fruits. That's the test. Oh, one other thing. The Holy Spirit uses dreams and visions to call us to repentance, to call us from going this way and doing this, to turn and go that way, a different direction. God does that for the person that God is speaking to about it. God does not tell me that you me to change from this direction and go that direction. I am not the intermediary between you and the Holy Spirit. You are not the intermediary between me and the Holy Spirit. Sometimes, okay, I have struggled with this over the years. I've struggled with it a lot because I have this, I think it's lovely. I have this ability when I get to know people to see their potential and be just so enamored of this wonderful person and their beautiful potential and how, oh my goodness, wouldn't it be wonderful if they focused their attention? They put some energy into their studies. They took a few steps this way. God loves you. And Susan has a wonderful plan for your life. It's not scripture. <laughs> and I am prone to meddle. <laughs> it might sound good to me, what I see, what I envision for someone else. But that is not my job. The Holy Spirit's job is to call out your potential, encourage you to take that risk, try that new thing. It's not mine for you. It's not yours for me. It's not yours for each other. So, and you can struggle with it. <laughs> yes, but yeah, just. That's my take-home lesson for me and anyone else who would like to take it home as well. Be open, God's beloved ones. Trust that God loves you and wants to have a relationship with you that is growing in intimacy and trust. Know that even now, right now, the Holy Spirit is praying for you, interceding on your behalf about things deeply hidden praying for your healing. Remember Samuel's experience when he was just a little boy in the temple training under the chief priest, Eli, I believe it was? Three times God called to Samuel by name, and three times he thought it was his teacher. But Eli, who had not called him, realized it must be God. So Eli told Samuel, go back and lie down, And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down. And the Lord came and stood there calling, as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak, your servant is listening. Let's pray together. O God, who has called us and loves us, help us to be open to your voice, open to your spirit. Speak, Lord, for we are listening. Grant us discernment to recognize your presence and welcome you deeper into our lives, however you choose to reveal yourself. Help us to follow where you lead. And may your love grow in and through us and truly bless the world around us. Amen.